getting a whole bunch of other shit. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Chewing the Fat. I am your host, Johnny, as you know. Sorry I skipped out on you last week. A whole bunch of shit came up, and I just, quite frankly, wasn't feeling it. Wasn't feeling it. I'm not going to lie to you. But this week, I have a lovely guest on the show. His name is Eric Hersant. Yeah. It's not Hersant. It's Hersant. Hersant. Yeah. Hersant. Most of you know him as Dark. In and around the GTA in the, uh, the western part of the world. So, Dark, welcome to the show. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for having me. Why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into the program today? Uh, okay, well, my name is Eric Hersan. You pronounced it properly the first time. I'm proud of you. <laughs> um, it's, I don't know if it, not very many people mispronounce it anyways. Fair. Um, my, uh, I am a bartender. I've been in the service industry for probably almost as long as you, eh, Johnny? About 18 years. Yeah, I'm, I'm closer to 15. Yep. But yeah, that's long enough to yeah. to be classified as a veteran. Old tainted bar rat. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Girl or guy. It's Girl, uh, yeah, exactly. Just bitter for both. Just bitter and knowledgeable. Yeah. Anyway, so yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm a bartender, uh, service industry guy. I've owned bars. I've dishwashed. I've bounced. I've literally done every fucking thing you can think of. We can swear on this podcast. Absolutely. Oh, there's, there's no holds bar. Um, yeah. So just a service guy at heart. Um, but I pride myself on being a little bit more than that, but, uh, I'm sure you do too. Well, you're, yeah, <laughs> sure. you're also an extremely interesting individual and from all the conversations we've had sober fucked up, also very interesting and intelligent individual. So I thought it would be a good idea to have you on the, on the, on the show to not just pigeonhole you into one topic. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of shit today because I think that we have, uh, similar opinions on things. We're going to talk a little bit about the industry. We're going to talk about the gym, a bit about mental health. If we want to dip our toe into the COVID, we can, but uh, that's hard to avoid. It's hard to avoid <laughs> this, especially when this is day one of lockdown. Yeah. We're shooting this on the Monday. This is day one of lockdown in, in Toronto. Lockdown number two. Yeah. Sorry. Lockdown number two yeah. in Toronto. We're, we're just getting into this, but we're going to start today's episode um, discussing we're both fitness guys i guess so to speak we both love the gym but it's not necessarily and i I mean whether you agree with this or not it's not necessarily for the games it's you know feel good not just physically but mentally as well i I think it's just as important for mental health if not more than physical health at this point it's such a good place to start i think because um i think uh people who are gym rats like ourselves Mm -hmm. um truly do it not just for looking good because that's just a bonus in my opinion yep it's such an important part of my week it's goddamn therapy yeah and it always has been and that's why i'm perfectly capable of not like going six months without seeing my top abs Mm -hmm. let alone any of them yeah (laughs) and i've never over worried like overly worried about the appearance part of going to the gym Mm -hmm. i think the reason why I've consistently gone over 11 years that I've been going to the gym on and off mm-hmm. some years better than others mm-hmm. um, is because of what it does to your brain. It's health. I it's, it's therapy, man. completely agree. So thinking back to your, your early days, when did you start working out? Uh, when I was in high school, I was, I sorry, the year I graduated high school, I remember just being like, 
I am so, I'm six foot two and mm -hmm. I'm 160 pounds yeah. and I'm skinny. Yep. And I know you're going to love this because you were, I, I saw exact, a picture of you recently. Exact same. So I saw a picture of you recently and I was like, holy fuck, Johnny Goats. Yeah. He, he was a string real being when we were younger. Real thin. Real just thin. like me. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember just being like, that's it. I see these guys and I just, who was it? It was someone else was, it wasn't necessarily like um, a role model for me in the, but I just remember looking at this guy and he was so jacked and had an incredible physique. And he was obviously older, but he, he like showed pictures of when he was younger and he was just a fucking string bean too. Yeah. I'm like, what? It was like, I was young, right? So yeah. it was like 18, 19. So I did like, now we look at, at a scenario like that and there's tons of stories that mm -hmm. can be told that are like that. But back then for me, it was just like blown away. I'm just like, fuck that. I'm going to the gym. I got a fucking gym membership and it, the rest is history because I fell in love. I fucking, tw tw three years later, I was a bouncer at a fucking bar. Yeah, this is back in Ottawa. Was this yeah. at um, Crazy Horse? So when I first bounced at a bar, yes, it okay, was, Crazy, was Horse. Crazy Horse. And that was like, right when I was finding my stride in terms of just like being young and healthy and like lots of energy and just jamming weights. Yeah. And I was, I, my body did a complete 180. Like I. I had a, and, and you know what? Lucky for us fucking skinny guys, we have such a nice, like, slender base. Yeah. And we're then, not worried about so much. We still eat like shit. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure your early <laughs> days, every day was a dirty bulk day. You can eat like shit and just say, fuck it. Go to, you sit out of bed and you have an eight pack. You're like, I'm good. I'm, I just have to worry about putting shit on. I can't gain any weight. Fuck, I hate this. I hate this. Now, yeah. in our 30s, I kill for a six pack. I kill for a four pack. I fucking kill for a four pack. Oh, dude, it's insane. Yeah. So, like, we were lucky back then, man. We fucking, we, we could, I mean, it was harder to throw on muscle. It took time. Absolutely. It took time. But I think that in general, um, we were never discouraged by uh, our bodies seriously reacting to food. Yeah. And that always kept us on course. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I fucking, I miss those days. Obviously, we all do. I'm 32 now. Fuck. Yeah. The knees are starting to the, feel oh, it. And you, the fucking, you met the crack the dad noises yeah, when the you get down and noises. get up. It's like, <laughs> but I remember I first started working out because we grew up, my family was fairly fit. My dad was always a sports guy. My dad played Fucking, I remember he was in his 40s and we go to his touch football games. And my dad was always very, very active. Oh, really? My dad goes to the gym like five, six days a week. Not Still? like power, yeah. Not oh, power lifting. Dad's 60, 62. Okay. I say 62. If not, he's turning 62 then coming up February. But dad goes to the gym like five, six days a week every morning. And it's not to build. Yeah, it's yeah. not to cut. My dad just likes to be in moderately good shape. He likes to be fit. He likes to feel good. And I mean, growing up when I was 16, 15, 16, 17, we lived by the JCC. Now the JCC is a Jewish community center. Now we're not Jewish. This okay. just happened to be the closest community is this center in Ottawa? to the house. Yeah, okay, in Ottawa, okay, okay. off of um, off of Carling Avenue. It's like on, oh, on yeah. Broadview. I have an like idea. Near Westbrook, near Westbrook, yeah, near yeah. Notre Dame and Nepean. Um, and we'd go and there'd be like co-ed pump where it's like those those group fitness classes yeah. where you get a bit of a burn. And I mean, I played sports and all that kind of shit, but I was that really skinny kid. Like, I mean, I wore thick leather watches. I yeah. wore a wristband. I wore fucking baggy jeans in 40 degree summer because I hated my chicken legs. Yeah, I was like, like, if there were girls around, I didn't really want to take my shirt off in the pool because they're so, so, so insecure. And of course, I was pale as shit, too, because oh, I never yeah. took, took off my damn shirt. Yeah, <laughs> like you, know, you get those weird fucking t-shirt tans. Yeah. 
That's so funny. fitness, like activity was always a huge focus for me, but fitness wasn't necessarily. And I remember guys in high school who were going to the gym and doing it properly. And I mean, I'd go to the gym in gym class and, you know, curls and bench press. That was it. Yeah. That's all you did. Like, oh, I need arms and chest. That's all fucking kids do. And you eat five, six, seven thousand calories a day. It yeah. doesn't fucking matter because yeah. your metabolism is through the roof. Yeah. You're not worried about getting fat. So you're not training, you're not eating right, you're not doing anything. I didn't really start dedicating myself to the gym, gym properly until I was like 20, 21. I was yeah. like, I like to work out. I want to do it. I want to be there. And even then, I mean, I remember my buddy gave me some D-ball, like oral. Oh, yes. Oral D-ball. Dude, I have a story like that too. Oh, we're going to talk all about yeah, yeah. that. We're going to talk all about crank and all that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. stuff. That's and it amazing. wasn't until I was, even with that shit, I mean, I wasn't working out properly still. Biceps, triceps, chest and shoulders. That's it. No yeah. legs, no core, no back. Yeah. And I mean, he's just firing down D-ball like Tic Tacs. Matt, you know what? You know what would be absolutely crazy? To see how different our bodies would be if we uh, were taught to focus on those more important body mm -hmm. parts at a younger age. Oh my God. And we kept on doing it because like it's the reverse <laughs> for me, right? We started off with the heavy, bad bulky muscle groups yeah and now i find myself purely obsessing over like hip mobility mm -hmm. and fucking uh stretching and yoga and mm -hmm. and just being easier on my joints yeah and if we, we don't really have a choice no, well yeah because we have no choice yeah. but my point is if that was reversed how much better off would we be now and i feel like this is dude they should be teaching this shit in school like yeah. at like gym class should be literally a solely ran by a personal trainer who has all the accolades of teaching youth proper, healthy, uh, life-prolonging movements. Mm -hmm. I completely agree with you. And I mean, if you want to open up that fucking flower, it's the same thing where math class, why aren't they teaching kids how to balance a checkbook oh, yeah, or do their yeah. taxes? School should be a lot of things, and unfortunately it's not. Mm -hmm. But I mean, speaking to the gym and how fitness tough is and that health, having a kid going into school? It's, He's not happy right now. He's not. Oh happy right man, now. he probably loves school. Eh? He loves school. He just, but it's the so the reason that we love school wasn't because we were learning fractions. Because yeah. all our buddies were there. Yeah, and exactly. Fucking around like they're not allowed to wrestle during recess. Oh, and no. his his hockey team, they're split up. They don't play games or practices. They do like three on three scrimmages with no contact and all this kind of shit. It's just like the kids aren't allowed to fucking live. And schools are That's still devastating. the, it's awful. And schools are still like the dirtiest and highest of COVID, but yet bars and restaurants are fucking closed. But yeah. I, yeah, yeah. But I fucking digress. Um, yeah. <laughs> but going like going back to a little bit earlier, it wasn't until I was probably in my mid, mid late twenties, I'll say like 25, 26, where I finally started to put weight on. Yeah. Even with, Fucking around with Anabar, yeah, yeah. fucking around with D-Ball. My metabolic rate was so high and I was such a hard gainer yeah. that I could eat spaghetti and meatballs five days a week yeah. and I'm not putting on more than a fucking pound, pound and a half. Crazy, month. Eh? And then 27, 28 hit and then I was like, oh, okay, you're lifting? Okay, cool. Let's throw some fucking weight on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, it was it's so wild. Funny. So I'm, let's, so we're talking about, so I want to hear that story then. We we're talking a little bit about... So D-ball, D-ball, for those of you that don't know, D-ball is an oral steroid. And like anything oral, it is much harder on your organs because your liver has to process it. 
was way less effective than the needle. Yeah, way less effective. And I mean, being a 19 year old kid and taking a relatively weak pill form steroid and still drinking like an idiot, drinking like a 19 year old, it's a miracle my fucking body didn't shut down. But yeah, dude, let's talk uh, about let's talk about crank and our our ups and downs with crank over the years. I'll add I'll add to it too that what I, when the only time I did steroids was uh, around that age as well. Mm-hmm. I thought uh, I thought oh man, all of my idols are doing it. Why can't I? <coughs> and obviously there was minimal knowledge, and that was brings me back to my main point. Back then when we were doing those steroids. There was way less information about it. It was just mm-hmm. such a different drug in general mm-hmm. than it is now. Yeah. Now it's like your goddamn science experiment. Well, there's wet, there's steroid.com. There's literally steroid.com. Yeah. And it tells you the good, the bad, teaches you everything about anything you're about to put oh, in your body. It's crazy. Yeah. And we had we never had access to that information. No. We literally just took advice from one. It, it was it was uh, meathead advice from yeah. one meathead to another. Uh, Guess what? I think it does this yeah. because I'm bigger here now. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> you know, like that's 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 the that's all that really was valid. Yeah, for, you know, and um, of course, um, once I did it and I started gaining a bit of muscle. Um, and it probably wasn't because of the steroids. It probably helped a little bit, but like I was just taking it seriously at the time. A few other of my friends jumped on board as well, and of course, they're the we uh, we did real steroids. We actually mm-hmm. uh, sorry, not the steroids, yes. not the, yeah, 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 but yeah. We actually um, I had to go purchase needles and shit. And yeah. So I ended up being Nurse Eric. Mm-hmm. Uh, dark wasn't a thing back then. So yeah. it was Nurse Eric. Nurse Dark sounds way better, anyways. But. I um, used to be, they used to come to my house and I used to just fucking play darts. Oh, you the were the ones yeah. poking them. They couldn't poke themselves. Yeah. I never understood and that. Dude, I would do it right in the gym myself. Just yeah. Like, yeah, of course. <laughs> it's a fucking, especially when you get the smaller, you get the insulin needles. Like, I mean, if it's test EQ, it's harder to inject. Like, you need the little bit larger. It's like, it's like the, the 20 or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah the bigger. You syringe. need the bigger ones. I, I mean, I, it hurts for a second, but shut the fuck up. It's crazy because like, um, I look back on it now and I just shake my head at how stupid it was oh, to be yeah. doing that shit. You know, yeah. like I don't encourage this at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, but much like the time we grew up in, it's, uh, you gotta learn quick. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I mean, whatever, at least I got it out of my system. Maybe it may have been worse for me to try it later on down the road, you know? It's, but it's, I mean, whatever. I, it's almost, I tried it later and I tried the real shit much later on. Down oh, the road. really? Like the last time that I poked, was like two years ago. Like I did, I did a cycle and that was the first time, like the first, I did a cycle, I did a cycle of testosterone. It was test EQ, it was okay. test with EQ. And it was like three years ago. It was right when I got to Toronto and I was just like, I'm here, I'm here to be a big fucking yeah, yeah. actor. Yes, like, yes. Fuck this, yeah. like gym, like good life gym membership, fucking steroids, let's yeah. go, let's pack the weight on. And it's sure as shit, I mean, hell, I probably packed on 20 pounds. What are you weighing right now? Right now, I'm a soft 240. What were you weighing back in those? The, the, the back in the Johnny days? Goats days? Yeah. No, no, the, uh, the, the... Like when I was poking? Yes. Vegas, I got, I was 260. Holy shit. Yeah. And I mean, it sounds glorious, but like my sleep apnea was absolutely horrific. Wait, so you do you already have sleep apnea? Yeah, so I, I have that? sleep apnea. You had it before of that. that? Yeah, I was always a snorer. Okay, um, but progressively over the years, as I oh, put on weight, fuck. it got worse. I'm a big guy with a big frame, yeah. and all that weight, especially when I was 260. Like my partner at the time, she was just like, I 
think you're gonna die in your fucking sleep. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what sleep yeah, is. It's li- like, you can. You're choking on your fucking tongue, essentially. Um, <laughs> the amount of the amount of food that I had to eat, my grocery bill was like yeah. three, four hundred bucks a yeah. week. Easy. I was yeah. doing four or five thousand calories a day. I had to because you get it in your head. Yeah. I'm this big. I need to maintain. Need to maintain. I needed to have a separate wardrobe. None of my fucking clothes fit. Yeah. It was it was wild and like it was it was great to be that big, but it was exhausting and it wasn't fucking safe. It was not safe. Yeah, but fuck. Just so nice to pick up a lot of weight and put it back. Well, that was yeah, that was that was the big thing. He was like, I was so internal battles. I was so strong and it was so much fun for a very short period of time. But I mean, then I look back to when I was a kid and like popping anavar like skittles or popping yeah. d-ball and just not working out smart like yeah. you can't build it wasn't only until a few years ago that i started working out legs because i was like ah yeah. fuck it i'll be top heavy i don't give a shit then you you read and you learn like if you want to build a bigger upper body you need the to build your legs the like the most test testosterone comes from your quads because yeah, it's the biggest muscle in your body it's, it makes fucking sense we call it the boner workout Every time we do legs, the next morning you wake up with boner. Yeah. Because your testosterone is like, it's a real fucking thing. Absolutely. It's skyrockets. Oh, yeah. Skyrockets. The boner workout. He's really horny. It must be leg day. It must be leg day yesterday. Yeah. Sorry, babe. I did legs yesterday. You're in trouble. Yeah. yeah, You're on top, but you're in trouble. (laughs) Yeah. You're on top because I can't can't fucking move. I can't can't sit down (laughs) in the toilet, let alone fuck. Um, So tell me, I'm still going to poke at you again. Tell me that story of uh, of D ball. And what you were gonna tell me? Um, fuck, I forgot where we're going with that. Um, long story. Well, I mean, so yeah, so I ended up being the nurse. I was um, poking my buddies with their steroids. Yeah, and it just like ended up being. I just it just you look back on it now and you just remember it's like your buddies would come over every second day. Yep. Post up in your room, drop their drawers. <laughs> I'd wipe their butt cheek with a fucking the, the, with a little with a little um, alcohol swipe. Yeah, and um, I'd fucking have all of their drugs on my fucking ca- on my dresser, all organized with their names and shit. Yeah. Just because just because I knew it had to be done with some sort of fucking control, control yeah. and understanding. Like I didn't want to fuck up anything. And then, anyways, they pay me. I'd go get their needles, and they just bend over and I'd, they'd take it yeah. like men yeah like men yeah take it in the ass like <laughs> a man yeah um it's so it's, funny but they, and they why wouldn't they inject themselves they just didn't like needles that well that and they were worried because they couldn't see where they were going with it you That's know cute. like you know what i mean like it's so cute it's like hey i'm gonna go be a strong meathead of a man and i'm gonna go bench press 300 pounds but i can't Give in, like give myself my own needle. I can't. I, I don't can't know what's stopping. Stick me. my needle in my. <laughs> I got a buddy. So my buddy who, I'm not gonna say got me into injecting, but my yeah. buddy who informed me. He's a very knowledgeable gym guy. He's in his 40s. He's been cycling on and off for years and years and years. He's he's healthy. He's not one of those fucking juice pigs. Yeah. He's in very good shape. He was the one who informed me and gave me all the information about it and let me make my own choice. Mm-hmm. He could inject me like my first time because i was like yeah, he's like i'm gonna poke you first so you yeah. see what it feels like if you need me to do it i'll meet you twice a week whatever yeah, it yeah, is yeah, yeah. he can't poke himself like he can't poke himself and he's all the knowledge about it. he's like i can't do it and I'm like i did it okay so when i used to do it i did it slow like i was always afraid like what if oh, i hit no. like a bone in my butt so i even fucking hold it 
and then slowly stab it into my butt cheek. And it didn't fucking bother me at all. Oh, dude, I used to do myself all the time. Yeah. And it's crazy because um, I was just so good at it. Yeah. Like I wouldn't even fucking, it would be, it would be so natural to me. Yeah. And it's so funny. Uh, Especially back then, you're just like, oh, so skinny. This is the whole reason I'm doing it. It's like, is there enough meat on my bones before I poke myself with the needle into the bone? That's what I was <laughs> always like. That's what I was always worried about. But then you realize, just like, there's so much but muscle. Like, even on, when you're a skinny, person, even when you're a skinny so person, much. like even the shoulders got a lot. But yeah. But that it's funny that we're talking about that now because that goes comes back full circle. I mean, and the mental effects and the mental health. Like there are people out there who still, whether they're kids like we were or even if they're they're adults like now like they're so insecure or so unhappy with their bodies that the gym becomes this temple it becomes yeah. this place that it's it's not this is not a want we're not talking about a want we're talking about a need yeah a physical and mental need yeah and that's what gyms are and then to have it taken away not once but taken away twice like it, they open back up on the 14th and then uh, December 14th, uh, November, they opened up November. 14th. Oh, they reopened. They reopened yeah. November 14th. And now today is what the 24th. Yes. It's been barely two weeks, 10 days. Yeah. And then gone again. Yeah. I, uh, it's funny because after what, fuck 15 years of being, I've been going to the gym. Um, like I said, some years are better than others, but throughout that time, I've done a lot of personal growth and I completely, uh, will, um, give that to the, the gym like the mm -hmm. reason why i had so much personal growth is because of the gym mm -hmm. um but to this day i i'm a 32 year old man and i find myself very self-aware mm -hmm. i pride myself on that um but i still suffer from body dysmorphia of course in some some way I, shape or absolutely form. same as me and absolutely. it's crazy because like you think like something like that if it hasn't gone away in 15 years you should probably just remove your the thought out of your head you know like the simple way to just be like well it's not going anywhere i should probably just get used to it yeah but that's that's so so much easier said than done when i know something that's a mental illness body dysmorphia is a mental illness i'm the exact same way where in the sense that like you so you can't see folks but he's wearing a t-shirt right now so let's say <laughs> this is your favorite t-shirt it's one this, of them actually okay, perfect <laughs> So let's say, God forbid, a week from now, you put on your favorite t-shirt and holy shit, it's the loose. sleeves are loose. That or it's a little tighter. Yeah, exactly. Because, oh my God. Because I had a couple pies. Yeah, you know? like, oh my God. Like the sleeves are loose and the tummies, the tummies. Yeah, tight. The I can't take my shirt off in front of anyone. I look like shit. I look like garbage. I'm a piece of shit. What the fuck is wrong with me? You can spiral real fucking quick oh, from dude. the smallest little thing. Yeah. And that's and that's the one thing. It's just a constant maintenance. It's a absolutely. It's, a, it's an adoption of a lifestyle that you have no choice to just like guess what? I can do uh, like fuck. It's I could work out for fucking six months straight, look like amazing, mm -hmm. but in four weeks you can lose it all. Oh god, yeah, it's four. It's absolutely. You know what I mean? Everyone's talking about the quarantine fifteen. Like everyone put on fifteen pounds oh. of fucking quarantine, all that kind of shit. It's real fucking easy. And I didn't actually. No, I lost weight. I lost about. I lost pounds. weight, and I was. I came. I come June. I might have looked and been the strongest I've ever been in my life. Yeah. I was two hundred thirty pounds. I could. I didn't. I didn't have a six pack, but I, I like my core was tight. Mm -hmm. um, 
and I was deadlifting 475 for a couple reps. Holy shit. And and it was literally like all of it was coming together and then mm -hmm. they reopened the bars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like, but the quarantine was so good for me yeah. because I acquired a gym, we all built a gym. You guys were doing like a like a garage gym. Yeah, that's exactly it. So we all pitched in and bought a bunch of like legit workout equipment, giant squat rack, pull-up rack, and a bunch of Olympic weights. We just did it properly. We're all we're all uh, guys that have been working out fucking for a decade each, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. So we all like grabbed one or two things, paid for it, put it in the gym, and we just all were crushing it for four mm -hmm. months. It was awesome. Yeah. But back to that industry. Back to, yeah, it's yeah. The booze the booze will prevail. It's very hard. It's very hard to balance fitness and the bar industry. And we see so just too many contradicting. people. Oh my god, yeah. One is supreme health. Yeah. And yeah. discipline yeah. and structure and the other and the other is fucking anarchy oh and there's something to admire about both yeah well of course of yeah. course there is and i mean and they you know we'll have well in our next segment we'll talk a bit about the bar scene and uh oh yeah sure and, and the pol the polar opposites that it has from from the fitness that we so we so love it very very much yeah and then And we can uh, we can come back online. Um, so when we were talking about the, the, the dichotomy, the black and white, the positive and negative, the difference between the fitness lifestyle and the bar lifestyle, let's talk a little bit about the bars because you're the first guest that I've had on the show that is that has been in in, in the atmosphere on the spectrum of being in the industry for so fucking long. Like, yeah, you're a veteran. Yeah, it's uh, definitely, I'm, I'm super grateful for a lot. I'll start off with the things I like about the industry, I think mm -hmm. is a good way because a lot of people will have their own opinion on the, being a, like an outsider looking in. Absolutely. And it's it's difficult because they couldn't be wrong, more wrong most of the time because they, they, they just haven't done it. Yeah. Some of them have and just worked at a shitty place and then they're just tainted. Yeah. And they're angry and it's yeah. like they think that we just live our life day to day yeah. doing the same things that they had to be exposed to from that one experience that they worked at a fucking bar, a shitty bar that had a shitty owner or manager or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then they create this opinion and we get this stigma. We're just like these fuck boys, these people that just like pure alcoholics, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm technically anybody that's worked as a bartender mm -hmm. for more than a year. Yeah. All right. You enjoy you enjoy your sauce. We, we like our but sauce. I mean, and there's a huge difference between being the fucking day server at a Kelsey's yeah. and working in the nightclub scene yeah. or in busy bustling lounges and restaurants for yes. ten plus years. Oh, yeah, there's a difference of opinion. There's a difference of knowledge. Same thing if you were a mechanic for six months yeah. or you've been a mechanic for twenty fucking years. Yeah. Yeah, you're gonna know different levels of shit. Yeah, yeah you're gonna have a different opinion. Yes, exactly. I think uh, I think the bar industry is um, a good example of having like quality long-term friends people you can hang out with like it, it introduced but i think my point is that they the bar industry introduced me to a lot of people mm -hmm. and it is a huge reason why i've gotten anything i've gotten in life today mm -hmm. uh the connections the jobs the um just the opportunities in general like to be honest the bar industry probably pretty introduced us yep absolutely um because we never really worked together mm -mm. 
um, but we worked at bars down the street from each, each other. In the same social groups. Yeah, exactly. Groups. You're at the same parties. You're going to the same bars on the same nights. If I wasn't in the bar industry, I wouldn't be doing this podcast with you. Exactly. Like, what, what and if I wasn't in the bar industry, that gave me the confidence and yeah, and knowledge to pursue acting and pursue entertainment, then I probably wouldn't be doing this yeah. podcast. Yeah, and that's the thing. You probably served and met a bunch of people that helped you with your acting dream. Absolutely. Right? Here in Toronto alone over the last three years. Yeah. When when this thing subsides, when all this COVID bullshit and the restrictions are lifted, I have two, I now consider them friends, out one in San Francisco, one in Los Angeles, a couple of actors who are very on the up and up they're yeah. quite successful yeah and both of them said when you come out here you got a place to stay and i got people for you to meet Amazing. i would not have that i would not have had either of those opportunities or yeah. those connections or friendships had i not worked at bisha yeah pouring alcohol behind the bar yeah i would not have met those people exactly it's uh it's definitely an industry that comes with a lot of benefits and i still think those benefits outweigh the negatives mm-hmm. the booze the late nights the the drama, the drunkenness, the like, uh, I don't know. I mean, the list can really go on, but I still think the the positives of what you get as a human who's worked in the industry as long as we have mm-hmm. will never be compared to the negatives. The negatives? Yeah. As long as you know how to manage the negatives. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Is I think as long as you don't let the negatives get out of hand. Yes. Because we all know some people who have gone too far or have, well, we've lost friends. We've lost friends. <laughs> yeah. We've lost friends to addiction and alcohol yeah. and accidents and stupidity. And I mean, let's indirectly to this industry, let's say. But I mean, it's, yeah. it's all about managing your demons. Yeah. And the bar industry is so raw and you're so exposed. Like you're under the spotlight, whether it's people taking pictures or tagging you or around you. Like yeah. you're always on. Yeah. And if you slip up or if you make a bad call, everyone fucking knows about it. They, you do, they're watching you firsthand. Yeah. There's hundreds yeah. of people most of the time. At all yeah. fucking You got to be on, on point. Yeah. So it's easy to let some of the bad consume you. And I mean, I completely agree that the connections and, and the friendships that you make in the bar industry, some of them, you get to have those decade-long friendships, yeah. 20, 30, 40 years, lifelong friends. Yeah. But the same thing can be said where you'll get 5% fucking ride or die yeah. real, real people. Yeah. The other 95% of people that you meet are bullshit, fair weather, I love you, oh, you got fired or quit in two weeks, they don't fucking know you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, 5% ride or die of... 2,000 people mm-hmm. versus the person who works a day job mm-hmm. and is only exposed to the same 20 people. 5% mm-hmm. of 20 people is a very different number. Oh, absolutely. So it's like, I, I, I still think that no matter what, I, I'm i very blessed. I hate even saying the word, I'm blessed. Bless up. Bless up, my yeah. dude. Um, but I'm blessed because of the fact that I have so many real good friends. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what? I'm very happy for it. I wouldn't have done it any different way. Well, the real everything gets filtered out pretty quickly, especially yeah. once again, we have an advantage as veterans. We can read people and so see good. through bullshit. Easy. Within what, five minutes, seven minutes of oh, meeting yeah. somebody? When you deal with people for as long as we have, you turn into a fucking uh, a human a prof- lie detector a professional <laughs> uh, fil- a human filter. Yeah, absolutely. You know? 
It's crazy. Absolutely. And if it's not, it's so funny because over the years, you're meeting hundreds of thousands of people, literally yeah, hundreds yeah. of thousands, but there's those character archetypes and yeah. those types of people. Stand out a little bit more. Like then, yeah. And like you meet them and you're like, I'm like, I've met you before. I know you're full of shit. Yeah. Or <laughs> I've met you. I know I love you. We have never even spoken and I know I fucking love yes, you. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, both, both, uh, yeah, both, both sides, sides of the coin. Like, yeah. It's so funny because like, and people are just like, oh, that's what first impressions are so important because like, I'm just like, yeah, damn right. Because you can read a lot about someone in a first impression, like mm-hmm. your, your example. I've, the, not a word has to come out of someone's mouth. Mm-hmm. And if it's, if they ooze a certain type of energy, mm-hmm. I literally already know everything I need to yeah. know about you. <laughs> yeah. You, know? you, you use the word energy perfectly because I'm a huge believer in energy. And I oh, mean, yeah. it's true. People emit and send out vibes and i mean you've known like how many times have you walked up to a table that you're about to serve yeah and you're just like Ooh, this oh it's not gonna be good like right. this, this is gonna be a bad one oh, yes. just look it's like it's like not even look in their face it's what they're projecting and you're just like ah oh, you don't like your life oh you're you like, hate your life yeah. and you want to make mine miserable yeah too. yeah exactly know. you see that i'm, I'm not gonna let you. you hate it yeah and then and then and then that allows you since we're so good at it we can instantly counteract with a uh, another chess move if you will and we just know how to deal with it so uh, it's like we can just kill them with kindness absolutely. or like or we can just like really feed into their like anger and sarcasm and yeah. like and just like make them the the the, the they're, first the god they're, they're they're just yeah. twisting themselves up inside yeah. and you're just chestnut checkers baby yeah like exactly. making all the right fucking moves exactly and it's almost you get kind of a sick thrill out of it right you're just like i'm having now i'm having even more fun and you're getting even more upset yeah like you could tip your fucking 10 percent, which i know you are whether uh, we had a good time or not you're tipping 10 percent that's the kind of person that you are unfortunately i'm already too good at my job that i know that your 10 percent is going to make a dent yeah. in my overall yeah and my you know four or five hundred that yeah. i'm hoping to make tonight it's nice though being the guy though the the bartender well yeah when you're like yeah when you're the guy like the guy to be known like the focal point of the room when you're in the yeah, room absolutely that's, a good, a that's, that's what i meant by the guy mm-hmm. it's nice being uh and we talked about this earlier being on stage like i'm yeah. When you're bartending, you have three or four, for example. I mean, we we you you and I have definitely worked at many bars mm-hmm. where you're the focal point, where you're the entertainment for Absolutely. the room, and it's literally just like up to you to make sure that not just one person's having fun, but the your entire section. That's thank you, thank you. And this is why I knew you're going to be a fantastic guest because <laughs> that's that's it's not about the individual; it's yeah. about the room. It's yeah. about the fucking room. You want to make every single individual feel that they're the most important person in the room. How do you do that? You fill the fucking room with fucking happy individuals. Yeah. And then you just feed, A, give them liquid courage and, uh, which helps, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but also just encourage fun, positive energy. Yeah. And, and you, you know what, there's no way in hell that you're not going to have a blast and that's why people are going to come back and they're going to throw their money at you. They're going to introduce you to their friends or yeah. o- other opportunities. This is just nice. Like how many, I, I can't even count how many professional athletes, celebrities of all sorts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, not too many like a list celebrities, but I definitely have a couple that stand out that I'd like, you see on TV often, but like everybody in between, and you're just even then when those people are in the room, yeah, you're still the guy. Still they the guy. still look to you to make sure you're that you they can you can yeah, entertain them. Absolutely, 
it's so it's so crazy it's the one thing that a good bartender will have over anybody with a blue check mark mm-hmm. with a with hundred millions of followers anyone verified yeah it, it's like it's the one That's thing so that in a social environment where even though there's like half the Toronto Maple Leafs are standing at the corner of my bar and they're mm-hmm. all screaming my name, yeah. dark, dark, dark. Yeah. Because they know damn right, A, I'm going to send a couple shots over to a, a group of girls and they're all going to mingle and they're yeah. all going to have a nice time and everybody's going to be peachy. And it's like, it's still that one thing that you know that even these people come to you for. And it's like, it's something that's unsaid. And that goes, dude, I fucking, there's some sick female bartenders I work with there's some sick barbacks I've worked with mm-hmm. that like do the same thing like mm-hmm. you don't have to be the bartender I just know that like if you're good at the industry and you're happy and you like your job you're you're going to be remembered it's an ability as a legacy well absolutely it's an ability to set the tone and I've said this many times and I said a, a, a good mixologist will make a drink you'll never forget yes but a good bartender will make a night you'll yeah. never forget yes dude. and you're there to provide a good fucking time. Yeah. And if you want to say, oh, you're playing the long game because any good bartender is because you know good business is just going to propagate good business. Yeah. They're going to say, man, I met this guy last night, Dark. He was a fucking hilarious guy. Was, I mean, you yeah. got to go check him out. He works at Locals Only. Tell your buddies you'll have a good fucking time. And then, okay, cool. That's an extra seven, ten bucks in your pocket from each person. And then five people turn into 20 people, turn into 50 people. You're paying yourself. You're putting an investment in yourself. Yeah. But you're also being such, like, it's almost like a beacon of light. Yeah. And entertainment that when people go out, whatever's going on in their life, yeah. they don't fucking remember because they're having a good time laughing yeah. and being social and having a good fucking time. Yeah. Forget about life for a while. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. Uh, what was I going to touch on? Did you ever work at uh, any place that <coughs> didn't allow you to drink while you're working? Yeah, a few places. There's a mostly yeah. mostly the corporate places. Yeah, or a lot of like actual restaurant restaurants. Yeah, that yeah. don't want you drinking when you're behind the bar. That's fair. And I can um, see both sides of it. Like just like we talked, like, it's very easy to to go down the rabbit hole and to fuck up. Yeah, but if you know your limits and you know what you're doing. Have a drink with your fucking guests. One of the biggest like blessings and curse curses that I suffer from is being a very functional out well, drunk. Really. Mm. I can I can literally keep up with the entire room in terms of drinking. Yeah. And when I and when I say keep up with the room, I mean like every time this person does a shot, I'm also doing shots with three yeah, other exactly. people. Yeah, exactly. And that's the only reason why I know I'm just like, holy fuck, my tongue is stupid. Yeah. Which is like sad to to think of, but holy fuck you want to create a good vibe with a room you got to be operating on their level yeah. i'm fun when i'm drunk you yeah. know like i'm fun but like that's the industry it comes at such a price sometimes you know do you have a different tolerance when you're working than when you're out partying oh dude it's because so crazy. i like when I'm, I'm this exact same way if i'm behind the bar i can fire down 20 25 shots if i need to mm-hmm. And then 2 a.m. Yeah. hits, brain shuts off. Yeah, yeah, I made yeah. it through the night, I'm fucking destroyed. You wake what up with a lot of cash in yeah, your pocket. Yeah, and no recollection of the night. 36 yeah. missed text messages. <laughs> um, but if I'm out drinking with friends, like if I even attempted to do 25 shots or drink the volume behind when I'm working on yeah. some of those crazy nights, it's yeah. like, how the fuck did I ever do this? Yeah, that's crazy. And then and then you go up when you're not working, and you yeah. just go and have, have a night of proper drinking with some buddies and friends, whatever. And you're just like, 
It's amazing when your body's not trying to operate its autopilot when you're drunk you're not and, and it doesn't even need to waste energy on your autopilot. And then you're just like fully focused on getting banged up yeah. and having a blast. Yeah. And it's, that's a different drunk. Too. Yeah. Like that's insane. Yeah. So three of the three different kinds, <laughs> the many different kinds of drugs. Those are three different kinds of drugs of the many different kinds of drugs there is. But that's something your listeners are going to be like, God damn, these guys are alcoholics. Yeah, they're so, I mean, I was at one point, I'm 32. I can't handle it anymore. My body yeah. just doesn't allow it. Okay. It's for me, mostly it's just, it's the hangovers. Yeah. It's my hangovers. I don't have, you know, it's like, I can sleep for three hours, have a Pedialyte and a fucking, <laughs> and a breakfast Sammy and go about my day. Like I'm in bed for two days yes. if I'm really hung over and oh, it's just, dude. it's not worth it. It's not fucking worth it. And that, it. it prevents me from going to the gym. If I had a yeah. big night, I'm fucking going to the gym games. the next day. No, yeah. there's no way. Some people are going to wake up and sweat it out. I'm not one of them. Yeah, no, sorry, dude. I'll get back to the next day, but like, guess what? It's going to prevent me from drinking next time. Yeah, it's today is a today is a Domino's and Netflix day. I'm not uh, fucking doing anything. What's your Domino's order, Bill? Um, I'll get the deep dish Ooh. with uh, double pepperoni and bacon, um, extra sauce. Dude, that's very similar to mine in terms of the medium. Mine's medium deep dish, mm-hmm. triple cheese. Well, green, you love the green cheese, olives eh? and and bacon crumble. Yeah, so you're close to the Canadian. You're just missing the the. You're just missing pepperoni, and then that's a Canadian pizza. They just there's never a pizza that has enough cheese though for me. Really, eh? I'm like an old Italian woman. Okay, so you cheese. were in Ottawa for how long? My entire life. I'm born and raised there. Did you ever go to Louis Pizza? Yes. And Louis wasn't enough that's, cheese. No, that's 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 why. Oh, uh, I, I literally you can that. There you go. So it's either Wally's Pizza in Blackburn, Louis Pizza, or even um, what's the other one? It's got a purple logo. It's from Orleans. Like, anyways, there Ottawa has cheesy pizza, yeah. and I think it's tainted me from all other pizza grow like from then on out because I'm just. I have this expectation of this cheesy And you're constantly let down. Well, oh. Louis, I remember Louis as being essentially like a pizza cake. Yes, it was It was, it was at least two inches thick. Dude. And it was two thirds cheese. You eat one slice and you're like, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, I'm but that's good. good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fuck. That's Louis, that's so yeah, funny. Oh, yeah. was, it, was it Bell's Corners, Louis? Louis, I lived in Bell's Corners for th- three, almost four years. Oh, yeah. yeah. Fucking Louis, my buddy of mine in high school introduced me to it, and I was just like, this place is fucking insane. I mean, big marijuana cigarette and some Louis doesn't sound so bad. See, no, see, we were fucking big marijuana cigarette and the $5 hot and ready from Little Caesars. Oh, yes. You boys, everyone pitches in five bucks, you get seven pizzas and just fucking sit in someone's garage and go to town. You notice there's no Little Caesars downtown Toronto? It's funny, I've never noticed that. Yeah. Big problem. There's one in uh, every time Noel and I would go up to Blue Mountain. Yeah. Uh, anyways, there's a buddy of ours that uh, there was this Little Caesars there, and it was real, like a ritual for us to grab a fucking a, a slice. Yeah. Or, sorry. Or the, hot hot ready, hot ready. the whole fucking hot pizza. It's a medium pizza. It's great. Yeah. It's perfect. Man, food. My, the bane of my existence. Yeah, better be. <laughs> now. You can't go to a restaurant and get a nice fucking salad, but you can Uber Eats a fucking double Big Mac, no fucking problem. Isn't that crazy? They're shutting down the world. They're shutting down gyms. Yeah. And they're keeping uh, McDonald's as essential businesses. Yeah. I, I, I was on Instagram today. Yeah. I post, someone else posted that yeah. I, I hijacked it. And That's right. It as well. I read that. I saw a similar one to it because Doug Ford is like, keeps posting. He didn't he pro- isn't he promoting McDonald's fries or some shit? I, I don't know, man. 
Well, he, he doesn't. Is, he doesn't. He's not the. Uh, he's not the spitting image of fitness. So, I mean, oh, he's built he he like a Timbit. Dude, he is a. He's a walking donut. Yeah, built like a bag of milk. That guy. Yeah. Eh? Whatever. Good for him. I hope he enjoys his McDonald's. I do. Yeah, and his salary. Sometimes. Yeah, once. And his salary and his job. Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> and his, right. his holiday gathering that he's going to be having. Yeah. Because how do they, how do you think they're going to fucking regulate that? Because what is it? It's no more than. Is it six people? I don't know. It might change. It all depends if we get out of the red zone. Um, come, but we're doing December, twenty-eight days of December nineteenth. Right? Yeah. Okay. Well, we had nineteenth or twenty-first, whatever yeah, it is. Whatever. And for those of you who are not in red zone, uh, red zone is all non-essential businesses are closed, but you can do subjective non-essential businesses. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. That's a huge <laughs> operative word. Yes. Subjective non-essential businesses are yeah. closed, but you can do curbside pickup and there's delivery. Yes. And you know what? I might just set up an Uber Eats account. And I have a couple of friends who are Uber Eats drivers. And you'll, you might have Uncle Darky dropping off your yeah. McDonald's fries. Yeah. He's just gonna, I'm going to answer the door and he's going to yes. hear shame. Yes. Shame. 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 Here's your With McDonald's. The yeah. <laughs> Breaking the big bell. An Uber Eats driver dropped off food at my place last night and I opened the door and I didn't order anything. I looked down and I looked at him and I was like, I could be a dick. Yeah. But this isn't mine. He's like, oh, he looked like, oh, sorry, sir. Oh, man. Yeah. It was a big bag, too. It was whatever it was. It was a lot of it. And this was right after I had smoked. So I was like, "Mm, I could be this guy, but I'm not going to do that because I'm not a fucking prick. Just literally holding food in front of your face. He was dangling. I was about to make something. I was like, I don't want to make something. I'm so stoned. (laughs) And then sure enough, knock, knock, knock. Oh, hello. Surprise. I wonder how many of your listeners would have actually grabbed the bag. Probably a few. There's a few scumbags out there. Yeah, you know what? That's right. There's a few. You do you, boo-boo. Yeah. You do you. We're not judging. No. But um, I have a couple of friends who are, over this pandemic, have become Uber Eats drivers. Oh, dude. Sam, I have one in particular that's worth mentioning. He's uh, uh, my old roommate, and he, uh, he went from a big operations manager of a, like, really high end, like, food court with like really nice uh, restaurants and then he got a, like a corporate job and then COVID hit and obviously he got laid off not like the rest of us um, and he eventually came to becoming a uber cyclist mm-hmm. and he uh, is literally obsessed with his job he couldn't be happier he's like I get to choose the times I work I get to mix in some cardio um, I get to be outside and I make money and I don't even have to deal with anyone. It's brainless work. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, sounds pretty nice when you put it that way. You yeah. know, like six hour day, which is like can go by in a flash yeah. when you're ripping around the city on your bike. I a mean, new cycle, a new cycle. Too, yeah. So you can appreciate that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I've, actually, you know what? I, uh, that's the thing with owning a cycle of any sort in Toronto. Things get stolen off. Yeah, I heard a lot of Once a year. Stolen. Anyways, I still have to replace my sprocket and my chain because that's... Someone stole a chain? Stole your chain? He's bright and green and flashy looking. Like, I can see the appeal. But but that's so (laughs) fucking... It's just like, ah, that seems like so much effort. Taking a chain off. I know, right? Completely off. And getting covered in chain grease. Which is awful. It's super, super thick. I remember, like, putting your chain back on your bike when you were a kid and you got to go home and wash your hands for 20 minutes. 
just in between uh, bike repairs. Yeah. It's always a hundred to two hundred dollars every time someone just jacks it's once, so twice a year. Fuck, yeah. such a pain. It's just yeah. part of owning a bike in this yeah, city. It, it, yeah. Seriously. Exactly. You hear people get their bikes stolen all the fucking time. But it's funny about your your Uber Eats buddy. I mean, it's a classic example of someone who's had to adapt and pivot it and yeah. said, fuck it, like let's let's do something else, which is something that we're all are being forced to or realizing that we have to do during all this. We can't be sitting here sucking on Papa Trudeau's tit for yeah. like two thousand bucks every month. Like we got Charles fucking expensive. Like we I gotta, denied we make money. money. I denied half of the serve they offered. I didn't yeah, I have been to I took I think four months worth. Once and I heard I'm it was still on be- a DI. Yeah, once I heard it was going to be taxed <laughs> heavily mm-hmm. and that I would have to pay it back, I was like, what's the point? Yeah, it's not free money. You're not helping us out. Yeah. It's it a is. loan. It's a high interest loan. Yeah. You're a loan shark. Yes. If I don't pay you back, I'm going to show up and break my knees. So I'm working out. Fuck you. Yeah, exactly. And then they take that they away. They take that me. away. It's all part of the plan. The great reset, right? Is that uh, what it is? The great fucking dude, reset. I knew when we were, t- I before coming here to uh, jump on this podcast with you, I was like, there's no way in how we can avoid talking about COVID-19. No, there's not. This, is, this just, will be the third episode, and I'm all for it because it's so fucking ridiculous. Yeah, I think it's such an important topic of, well, the year and our, I fuck up my, our generation, of the degeneration. I, there's nothing that's going to be more detrimental or life-changing to anybody that's born in this time or alive in this time than COVID-19. It's this so is crazy. the defining moment of our generation and we're going to touch on that when we come back. Okay. We can get in we can get into the covid. Now. We're going to get into the We're going we're going to get into the vid. We're going to talk about the vid. I talked this will be the third episode so I'm going to let you lead this one my friend. Okay, so what what was the last thing we said though before in terms of covid? What was I touching on? Because I had a fucking... It was... We're, we're just talking about, like, subjective, non-essential businesses. Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, jeez. It's all crooked, man. It's all backwards as fuck. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Um, obviously, and it's funny, because when I first got here, we touched on the... Um, how it's impossible for people not to start thinking as a conspiracy theorist. Yeah. And it's like... You're just like your first re- reaction was like, yeah, that's because it's obvious. It obviously is. I'm just yeah. like, yeah, you're dude, dude, you're right. Like, it's 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 becoming obvious to the masses yeah. that there is a motive, a clear different motive, and now it has us all believing that like COVID was created in a lab, yeah, um, and and it was dispersed, and that there's a reason for it, and it's to have the big reset. And I like fuck, man. Johnny said it so well. It's they're resetting something. It's I don't know why. Great, I don't know what for. Everyone's calling it the Great Reset, and it's funny because you hear the term conspiracy theorists, all yeah. that kind of stuff, and it's always that small minority that will make claims or start putting out ideas that people are like it's conspiracy theory, conspiracy theory. What for myself with this whole thing is that the more information we are being presented with and the more that we have the discussion and the more that we argue with the powers that be that are making these decisions it's no longer a small minority yeah it's becoming the masses it's becoming a much larger percentage of the population we just like we want answers and i'll say it again for the third time i'm just so sick of us being lied to yeah 
it just it doesn't it doesn't make any sense and rather than the government the government saying you know what you're right you caught us or we fucked up we're sorry they just keep to keep seeming to double down double down no yeah. fuck it it's even worse double they're down sh- they're sticking so hard to their guns like they and, and 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 you know what they can because a they have incredible control over so many aspects mm-hmm. and the one that stands out the most to me always and it's just like it bothers me because media it's it, it's the media they control a lot of the media mm-hmm. and and they've used media to scare the karens of the world mm-hmm. and that goes for guys and girls i know karen karen's and kevin's karen's and kevin's of the world and it's crazy because they'll look at an article and just read the 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 bullet yeah and they'll they'll read no more yeah and they'll just make an opinion based on what that says and the picture that follows underneath it yeah. and then they will okay so it's just like the karens and kevins are just believe the media believe too much what they see and it's embarrassing and they're the ones that are sitting at home doing nothing writing all of the emails of complaints on their beliefs of what mm-hmm. covid should be to the politicians to the the Doug Fords and the people that are making the calls it's just like we believe bars should be shut down because everyone's going in there getting drunk and touching each other blah 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 yeah versus the people who own the bars and the people like us who worked in the bars just a don't feel like writing it like we just don't complain enough that's my point i feel like the karens and kevins are just sitting there and have all this time and they're complaining to the right to the people while we're just sitting back and we're losing our jobs and we're just like, what the fuck? Why is this all being closed down? Like, yeah, we have a voice, but we're just not using it. I agree. I think that people are starting to use their voice. Like there are people out there that are standing up and asking the questions. Um, But to touch on your point about like the Karens and the Kevins and all that and being on their keyboards and sending emails and writing complaints and all that kind of stuff. It, it's also very, very easy to see one of those headlines and see that picture that is meant to scare you. And instead of doing your research or formulating your own thought, share it. Yeah. Put it on my story. Yeah. Send it to my work group. That's send it to a WhatsApp. Share it. No, don't do research. And then that probably like a virus. It was weird. Weird. Eh? <laughs> weird. Like An incurable one. Yeah. Um, and it just propagates more fear and more misinformation. And the government let's say the government, but the powers that be capitalize on this stupidity. Yes, exactly. It's easy to control stupid people. Yes. Very easy to control stupid people. And people who are afraid will act stupidly. Yeah. Do your research, guys. And choose who you follow. Make sure, like, you're not really taking... uh, BuzzFeed articles that seriously. Yeah. Oh my God. Make sure you're not taking Nar City Canada. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm, I'm calling them out because, like, I follow them and I'm often disappointed because, in my opinion, they are responsible for feeding the masses proper information. They have a responsibility as media outlets that have followings that they have influence. I think they should take more responsibility and they're not. And they're just trying to get more likes or more comments on their posts. I think a big problem with that, and if we're talking about any influential body, whether it be a, an individual or a corporation or a media outlet, yeah. where is you do have a responsibility yeah. or you should be putting out truthful information. The fact that there are little to no repercussions yes. to this cancel culture. Yes. So let's say, okay, so... 
Dark has has pictures of underage girls on his laptop. That's not true, okay? Yes. Let's just say I say that and that gets spread around, yes. okay? That's not fucking true, but if it gets big enough, that will ruin your life. But Dude, if it's false, like and you're saying, I know that you fucking lied, it's like, okay, I, I lied. Yeah, there's no, no repercussions. No one your gets in trouble for fucked. lying. Yeah, your it, life is still fucked up. You make such a good point, dude. And that's on the grander scheme of things. Let's say, for example, COVID and all this lockdown shit. There, the misinformation on the bullshit that we're hearing. There's, there's not going to be any repercussions. We're not going to hear, okay, we overreacted. We're sorry. We're not going to hear that. Yeah. And that sure as shit is not going to bring back businesses that have fucking closed. Yes, because of the lies that they created. It's so crazy. And you know what? We're all bad for this because, for example, I just complained about a media outlet that I know for a fact um, portrayed an issue in the wrong way and didn't take responsibility because it now created a rumor mm -hmm. because of its influence. And I still follow the damn thing. Yeah. I like I have to take responsibility in the fact that you know what if I want to make my do my part in the change <laughs> about I should be unfollowing said media that mm -hmm. is lying to everyone mm -hmm. and you know what it's funny because I read the comments and a lot of people are calling them out on it now there's a lot of big blurbs and comments and these comments are getting a fuck ton of likes yeah. because they all are just like listen you should take this post down and this is why blah 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 you're lying about this you're making it seem like it's not this and like literally like breaking down why this and it's like everyone's liking just like yeah at least that's happening well at least there's now this i think in in a lot of aspects of life not just with this whole COVID thing going on, but a lot more people, the percentage is rising of people that are fact-checking yes. and calling people out. Yeah. Because I think we've reached a point as a society where we have such instant access to information, mm -hmm. whether it's has facts or whether it's complete bullshit, that we now have to. We yeah. now have to filter it. All the sites and all the channels and all the the advertisements that we use are filled with these messages yeah. to coerce us or to control us in a certain manner yeah. that it is up to you as an individual to say, I'm going to tune everything out and I'm going to do my own fucking research, whether it be on a pair of shoes you're going to buy to see if there's child labor or fucking animals being hurt, yes. whether it's a car you purchase, whether it's a fucking news station that you get your information from, you have to be diligent. You have yeah. to be responsible. Or else, who the fuck knows what you're absorbing? And and you know what? It, it It's indirectly making us smarter. But there are people out there that will never figure it out, to be mm -hmm. honest. And that's the sad part, because they're the ones that are still capable of complaining and, and doing uh, helping create more opinion in the wrong way. And you know what? It's like, it's going to be a constant battle, but hopefully... Uh, Hopefully this COVID's done soon, man. This is insane. I mean, let's just do the big great reset. If it's happening, it's happening anyways. Uh, let's yeah. just get it over with. So well, we I mean, can start getting better. To speak to speak to your point, I don't know if it necessarily makes us makes us indirectly smarter. I agree that it gives us an opportunity to be smarter. I think it gives us the tools and the means in which to educate ourselves. Yes, which I think is very important. And then jumping back to the whole COVID thing, it's just. At this point, for me, it's the wrong things are being looked at, the wrong things are being dealt with. And I've said this before, I'll say it again, I'm not a virologist, I'm not a fucking doctor, no. but what I am is is a, someone who's been working with people for the last nearly two decades, and yeah. I know when I see bullshit. Yeah. I know when I see Agreed. bullshit. 
and they should be shifting from protecting those who are vulnerable, which are people who have autoimmune deficiencies or underlying heart conditions or whatever is three or more issues going on with their bodies and the elderly and not punishing the fucking 99% of everyone else. A lot, you know what? The masses know what they should do, Johnny. That we all know what they should be doing. They know what they should be doing. They know that there's way, there's so many other alternatives as to how they should be going about this Mm -hmm. and how they're dealing with it. But, and that, and that's the whole reason why we start thinking conspiracy. That's the whole reason why all of us are just like, okay, well then why are they doing it? Yeah. We're not talking about area 51. No, no. Yeah. Like we're talking about something that is fucking tangible. It's going on right now. You look out the window, you're sitting beside it. Like it's going on right now. There is motive. Why are they doing these things? Why are they like there, there's clearly something bigger going on. And if you can't see that, then shame on you. Shame, (laughs) shame, shame. It's literally right in front of us. You made a funny point when we weren't recording where you said that you think that it's to eliminate cash. I think, um, and as much as I've been in the cash flow industry for the majority of my life, I, if I'm going to think long-term, um, removing cash out of the system mm-hmm. isn't necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. But, but, yeah. but at the same time too, I think, uh, they should approach it differently if that's their motive. I think, I think the government over time will eventually get uh, rid of cash. I think it's an analog system versus mm-hmm. uh, the digital system that they can completely control. Mm-hmm. And that goes down to taxes and such. But the point I'm trying to make is you, they should go about it differently. They should just literally leave, put their motives out in front, explain in detail why they think it's a good idea and why they're doing it. Mm-hmm. And people will have, their opinions anyways, but at least they'll understand you're not trying to go behind their back and create some other blindfold while you go doing some other things. Like, for example, I know for a fact the thousand dollar bill, Canadian thousand dollar bill is going to have zero value at some point. I think there's a date set and everything. You can look it up at some point. Um, but yeah, the, the actual bill, thousand like dollar, like hard, tangible currency. Yes. Like mm-hmm. cash is going to lose its currency. And they're going to be posting about it more because obviously the people that have thousand dollar bills are going to want to be like, Hey, I'm going to put this in the bank, get my money, Yeah. but it's going to have no value. And I think that's just the beginning. Yeah. Well, let's take a step back. This has been like, they've been doing that. People have been starting to go cashless. We'll say over the last decade, progressively, slowly, slowly, like pennies were eliminated. Yep. The $2 bill was eliminated. Yep. I mean, granted it was replaced with fucking a coin, a which tuny, is yeah. fucking stupid. Yeah. But they don't thousand uh, dollar bills are not made anymore yeah and credit cards debit cards you can pay with your phone and shit you, is more yeah, is it more it. encouraging yeah. to not carry cash and the convenience aspect is definitely valid like, Absolutely. I, get, I get it um there's but, nights i go out i don't have my wallet i got my phone but don't sleep on, use my phone. yeah don't sleep on the fact that there's a there's the, there's the big reason why they're doing it it's so they can control every penny that you receive and that you give out yeah that you spend yeah like i think a lot of people have you know have some money stashed somewhere in the house yes because you should and they can completely and at one point at one point they're going to make everybody show that they have that exactly well then that's what when it was a few years ago it was only in toronto 
um, when I started working in the bars here that, okay, your due back is going to be sent to you as a paycheck. <laughs> like, yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it goes into my bank account. So it's tracked. Yeah. So now you have to, instead it used to go show up at the bar the next year or the next week. Okay. Here's your due backs, all your tips from the credit cards you're supposed to get in cash. No one knows about it. The government doesn't know how much you're making. For some places, for a couple of the bars that I work at, you get it as a paycheck. Yeah. You get it as a direct That's deposit. crazy. I've never worked at one. That, but uh, it makes sense because <laughs> when they're doing all of their taxes and such and they get all their receipts, mm-hmm. it shows the taxes, uh, sorry, the tips on yeah. top of that. Yeah. So they're the ones getting nailed with that. But at the end of the day, it's like, fuck, what do you do? Yeah. Well, it's but that's falling down on the person making twelve forty-five an hour. Yeah. Just trying to fucking, just trying to make it in fucking yeah. Toronto or anywhere for that matter. Anywhere that you're working in the in the hospitality industry, your wage is shit, and you're really relying on those fucking tips. Exactly. And 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 the better you are, your job, the better your tips are. It's not yeah. like it's it's not like hey, I got a bar gig, uh, and now I'm making this much tips. It's like no, it's depend depends on how you are as a human. You got yeah. You, you got to earn it. For you sure. got to earn it. You got to earn that boat. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk about something else COVID related, but I lost track. Let's circle back, circle back to the great reset. The great reset. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm losing my train of thought here, but yeah, it's so funny. The conspiracy theorist is just so crazy. It had, I feel like the word conspiracy theorist just gets a bad rap. It was said, yeah, up until recently, I, yeah. even I would have considered it a taboo word or a yeah. buzzword for yeah. you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Or here we go. Oh, yeah. The Illuminati. The, the Illuminati. Everything is controlled. Aliens. Area 51. Yeah. Oh, fuck. It's crazy. It's just when it's when it's right there in front of your face, it's just being wagged in front of our face. Like, how could you not call it? It's bullshit? so obvious, guys. How could you not call it's bullshit? It's insane. You find out information. Ontario has something like 400 hospitals. Something like 400 hospitals. And you're saying, and there's how many cases right now? There are 195 people in in, in the hospital. In the hospital for COVID. In 400 hospitals. So that's what, 0.3 patients per hospital? And they're they're claiming the hospitals are overwhelmed. Yeah. Yeah. And it's. That doesn't make sense. It's weird because so many. Like I have friends who are nurses and I have yeah. friends of friends who are doctors and shit. And it's like, no one's fucking talking. It's weird. Like, no yeah. one's talking about it. Yeah. I've reached out. I reached out a couple of weeks ago to a friend who is a nurse and I directly asked her, I was like, so what's your take on this? Like, this is all bullshit. And then even she was kind of dodgy about it. Yeah. And I was like, just like, level with me to put her in a voice note or call me. I'm not going to like save what you're answering me, yeah. but it's just like, well, you know, it's just people got to wear their masks. And I was like, I'm not, I'm asking about fucking hospitals. Like, are they overwhelmed? Yeah. Are people dying? Like what's going on? Yeah, so, like, well, you don't know, it's fucking weird. Yeah. So I had a similar experience too. And it was uh, talking to a friend who's a nurse as well. And I feel like, okay, so it's a fact that uh, there's been job cuts within the nurse nursing sector. Okay. Um, so that being said, I think this is a theory. And, and, and I'm just taking it from what, I, what I've heard and, and, and the things that I know are fact. Um, I feel like the reason why these nurses might be behaving dodgy of questions and such, like the example you just made, I think the reason why they're doing that is because um, they might be worried of their job. Yeah, safety. well, that, that's, you know, that's like, what I assume. If they speak out, they're going to get canned. Well, that's it. And it's like, there's no real way they can find out, but I feel like they are... 
unintentionally involved in something that like they may not agree with and they're holding the um, the biggest most important thing over their head which is their job mm-hmm. that might be at risk if they were to speak out or or uh explain something into like i don't know it's, it's hard to put your finger on but but you know you feel it in your gut yeah you feel in your gut that something's off something's Something, not right something's off i might be wrong in what is actually happening but i feel like there's but something's off, off. No, yeah. no something is off something's weird and i mean don't doctors have to swear like what is it the hippocratic oath where the wellness of the individual supersedes their professional or their view on their politics view on or whatever it is yes. like they have to be doing i didn't know that's what it was called I think it's but called I, the hypocritical i knew yeah so, so funny it was hypocritical. yeah so, so hypocritical yeah <laughs> um but, but yeah so many so so few doctors are speaking up and the ones that are we're not like you gotta go looking for them. Yeah. Like it's not, they're not being put on the stage. They're being silenced. Unfortunately, as a doctor as well, it's like you can leave that, that cushion of a job as well. It's their, their employees too. Yeah. That's my point. Like they have people they have to answer to and it's, they have to follow rules. Like they're, yes, they're a doctor. And I think that if you're a doctor, ethically and morally, you should be, encouraged to do the right thing should should be should (laughs) but money will always be a huge factor and i feel like when there's so much money involved your morals and ethics seem to get a little bit looser and you forget to to remember what's right and wrong yeah i feel like these they're forced into a position where it's like i live this lavish lifestyle making 200 grand a year because i'm a doctor yeah my phd and such and god thank i'm thankful for all these doctors but at the same time too fuck are they uh, are they being coached into hiding that six bedroom house? Are and they the two cars? And yeah, they've been encouraged to keep their mouth shut about things. I would they, I would really hope not. Like I would, I would hope really, not as well. But really open. I just I don't know. And that's the problem is when you start to question, like, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. How could you even question that? It's like, well, yeah. fucking weirder shit has happened. Man. <laughs> weirder shit has happened. Come on. And with oh. all this, I mean, granted, a lot of bullshit out there. A lot of information is actually misinformation. A lot of people don't know what the fuck they're talking about. We might not know what the fuck we're talking about, but the Agreed. fact is this many people are talking about it and having an issue and pushing backs against this. Yeah. There's a fucking reason. Yeah. There's a reason there's... you can't deny that whether or not what is happening was, is even close to what we're speaking about. Yeah. I could people be completely talking, wrong. Something's yeah. going on. Something yeah. has happened. I think, uh, these opinions we have are just us trying to take logic and apply it as best as we can to an idea. And then, and this is what we come up with, but at the end of the day, we could be, we could be completely wrong. We could be completely (laughs) full of shit. Like most people are completely full of shit, but who the fuck knows? But imagine media outlets spoke like we just did humbly and understanding. They can't, right? (laughs) It's, it's there, there are rules. There are so many fucking rules, but I want to thank you for coming on the show, Dark. My pleasure, dude. It was fantastic. Thanks for having me. Anytime. I'd love to have you back again. This was absolutely fantastic ebb and flow. Yeah, Um, great. I like to finish my shows with something I call story time. Oh, all right. So I would like you to tell a story about your past. A story about... Whether it be something funny, something emotional, something inspirational. Leave leave my listeners with a little something. Oh, gosh. A little piece of Dark. A little piece of dark. Could well, be on the subject we discussed. Something you'd have to do with the gym or something to do with fucking steroids, something to do with COVID, something to do with the bars. Hit them. 
Um, oh, geez. Yeah, it's not prep for I'm this. putting you on the spot. That's I always okay. do it. I never tell anyone. Yeah, that's okay. I, um, I'm just trying to see which, uh, think of which avenue I should go down. I, uh, I'm not going to lie. Um, growing up, uh, during my younger years. So I, I didn't have the, uh, the luxury of having a father in my life growing up. Not to get a little sad or sappy, but um, that's not the point. So growing up, I was lucky to have one strong male role model in my life, and that was my uncle. And um, my mom was smart enough to put me into what everyone calls a fucking stay away camp of some sort. So I mm -hmm. basically went to camp for 10 days. Um, and I'm not going to lie, if you are, fuck, I don't know exactly where I'm going with this, but the i'm not gonna lie the majority of the reason why i am who i am today is because my mom put me in camp and it was the best place i've ever fucking been in my life it taught me so much about myself not to mention just being outside it, it i mean it puts you in scenarios where you're you're like Shh. like we had canoeing accidents mm -hmm. um in algonquin park when you're um kilometers and kilometers away from safety um, there's no cell phone service. There's no nothing. And you're put, put in a position where you have to just like survive and just like figure it out. And this was serious camp and this wasn't like, yeah, well I was, do, I was doing, uh, I was running. I was a camp counselor at the time too, when these things were happening. So I was also watching over mm -hmm. other people's lives. I was, um, organizing these excursions to Algonquin for four to five day, um, portage. Yeah. Trips. They carried the canoe over your head. Yeah. So we were doing portaging and stuff like that. And, uh, I'm telling you the life lessons you get from being put in these scenarios willingly mm -hmm. um, and the things you learn and uh, about how to deal with people and how to uh, handle panic and wilderness and animals and such. Uh, I don't have any kids, but you should put your kids in, in camp, get that or just go a, a group, grab a Activities. group of friends, go outside, especially during these times. You have lots of time, COVID quarantine, go do that, man. I'm telling you, it, it, I'm to this day. I still have dreams about the great times I had, and this was ten years ago, dude. Yeah. More than that, um, go to camp, go outside, stop living on your phone. Yeah, stop, stop being addicted. To stop screens. burying your face in your phone. Even though that's a lot of the like way we all make money these days, but uh, step away. Yeah, grab a bottle of rye and a canoe and four buddies and go camp and just talk. To I think it's well, it's. Like that's, Wanna go camping, Johnny? I love. You know what? I, I do love a good camping because I mean, give me an excuse. I'm talking can, shit up against a tree. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. no shower for a couple of days, yeah. shit in a hole and cover it. I'm that's fucking it. fine with that. I never did really a sleepaway camp like that, but I remember doing. I went to day camps and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I agree with you. There was a camp that I went to when I was probably. I don't know, 12 years old and it was a week long camp and you go every day and you're put into these social situations with kids you don't know yeah. and you got to kind of like figure yourself out and, and learn who you are and where you fit and conquer some fears of oh, making dude. new friends and it's shit that's scary when you're a kid and then by the end of the week we had to put on like a play for all the parents and I mean I was a character in the play like I wore a garbage bag and I was like this clown and shit and that camp gave me some of the confidence that I now have today yes. to go on stage or to go in front of a camera or to go in front of a group of people yeah. like as a bartender as an entertainer 
and have that confidence to say like whether I fuck up or not, we're gonna have a good time and exactly. this is gonna be awesome and you're gonna remember it. Oh man. So camp, I agree, is, is so important, especially to, to growing minds and bodies. Yeah, man, I mean, during those times too, I was, I was I was a fragile young man. I was an angry kid. I played hockey, I got kicked out of hockey because I was an aggressive hockey player. I was getting into mm -hmm. fights and stuff. And, and I mean, not having uh, my real dad in my life at the time, I haven't put on my life now. Like I'll, 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 I'll admit there's a lot of great closure to mm -hmm. come from all that. But during those times, like, fuck, go to camp guys. It yeah. really helped. It helped with all of those things. It turned me into the majority of the man I am today. And I'm very, very grateful for it. And that, those, that always ends up seem, seems to be still relevant in my life mm -hmm. more than a decade later. So it's, yeah. it must mean something. And as, there's less and less wild up there, less and less nature. Mm -hmm. Take advantage, take yes. advantage of it while we still have it. We are it's, saturating it's the planet. Go enjoy it while it's still going to be in our it's lives. Definitely disappearing. Well, thank you, Dark. I appreciate my it. pleasure again, brother. for being on the show. I'm sure that I will have you on again. I would love to. All right, everyone. Oh. Thank you. That was Chewing the Fat. We will see you guys next week. Don't forget to check out angrygoat.ca. It is my website. Order some shirts for Christmas. Your lips look ridiculous. You know who you are. Take care, guys.